Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode is discussing the last half of our sci-fi horror films. We're going to be discussing Event Horizon and Pitch Black. I'm Michael and that's Kersey. Hey, how's it going? Good lord, I talk too fast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I Sometimes when I talk on, on this, I feel like one of those old school DJs. Like, you know, back in the 50s, like, hey, everybody, welcome to the rock and roll ladder. You know, whatever. Upcoming next is Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> like, just no, no breaks whatsoever. Get to the music so they can't change to the channel. <laughs> um... So, uh, Invent Horizon is one of these movies that has been championed um, by people who found it on video. It did not do well in theaters. Even though I think that it is um, Paul, it's Paul W.S. Anderson. I gotta make sure I don't screw that up. Uh, it's flat out his best film. See, that's something that's interesting because um, it, I feel like this movie kind of comes in waves because uh, when I first heard about it, I heard it was like fantastic and it was great. I still didn't watch it, and then like a few years later, there was like this weird backlash to it. People saying they were that it's overrated. People oh, okay. saying it's, it's good and it's not. And then I feel like it's kind of back on the upswing because I watched it and I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. There's stuff like that, like Halloween three. You remember how there was like for decades it was like ah oh, this piece of shit that didn't do well. They can't believe they didn't put Michael Myers in this. This is bullshit. And then, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, people were like, you know, it's kind of frustrating and weird, but there's something special here, and I really love it. And then fast forward five years ago, all of a sudden, it's the best Halloween movie! We all love it! And then, like, in the last year, I'm like, okay, guys, calm down. And some people are like, yeah, it's okay. It's flawed. It's interesting, but it's not the best. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, watching this review of the third uh, movie, and I really didn't care for it when I first watched it. And I watched someone else talk about how how they really enjoyed it and that i remember that being a really controversial opinion online at the time and then now i feel like it's not a controversial opinion at all yeah it's um there is a movie called the keep i think we i think we did it on the show the one where it's uh scott, familiar. it's scott glenn and they're trapped in the german castle during world war ii and there's a wraith there um is that, did they, was there like a some kind of cube or orb or anything like that involved in it was like this weird blinding light that I think there was up. yeah yeah and then there was a golem at the end of the movie um and Jurgen Prock now whatever uh it wasn't it's not good and yet I see people champion it all the time and I'm like guys and I think that's the thing with Event Horizon too sometimes the legend of the version that's lost forever somehow builds it up into something it's not except Event Horizon is way better than Keep um, but there's a director's cut of both of those movies that nobody can find. And so they become legendary. It's like, it's this great movie that needs to be saved. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that idea still continues with people who are like, oh, release the Snyder cut because that's going to be like the definitive version that makes it just all not bad. And it's like, yeah. no, it's still bad. It's just longer now. Yeah, like, I understand. It's, it's not as messy, I think, as the the version that was released in theaters but jesus there's like how many slow-mo sequences can you have of people just floating and standing there in the wind yeah. you know? um i couldn't i couldn't get like more than two hours into it and i, I didn't even get halfway through i was like the, this is, i can't do this yeah, i whole, actually watched the entirety of the theatrical cut i could stand that i couldn't stand the snyder cut i don't get it yeah and it's like the air cut of suicide squad and uh no please don't um yeah and that's the thing with director's cuts that are lost. Like, there's, I don't know if think you've ever seen It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, but there was always another version of it that people had seen initially. It's back when they had roadshow editions, <clears throat> where they weren't spread out through the whole country at once. You, they literally traveled from city to city with this print, and it's a half hour longer. I've watched it. 
it doesn't add anything to it. And I get the feeling that's the same thing with Event Horizon is it's perfectly fine the way it is. I get the feeling that if there's a director's cut, it's either going to just be more gore, uh, pointless. That's what I was thinking, yeah. yeah, sometimes the studios are right. They just are because they listen to the audience and if the audience is bored with something and it's not working, just cut, trim it up. You're not losing story. And of course, I have been wrong. There have been a few movies that have definitely benefited from a director's cut, but it's not. It seems more self-indulgent and fan service when they do it sometimes. And then it gets more complicated when you're talking about which which version of Blade Runner is the true version. Right. Each one has its own unique sort of take on it. Uh, like one version has a narrator, and others don't. And one has like an ending where they serve where you know they're robots. And one where they don't. And like it has and it does change how you watch the movie or kind of reflect on it. So there there's something to be said about a a different version of the same movie yeah or like superman 2 where there's literally like the movie is not done it is not a movie it is an experiment because they're using like animatics and stop motion whatever to fill in the scenes that were never done that's not a movie that's just an experiment so it's it's very questionable but um probably to get to event horizon so this they always say alien is haunted uh is a haunted house in space and i say no Event Horizon is 100% a haunted house in space. See, yeah, I was going to say it's kind of it's Hellraiser in space, but then again, there is a space Hellraiser movie. Yeah. But I feel like this you, is more like what it would actually be like. Did you hear that they're finally releasing the original version of Hellraiser 4 on Blu-ray? Uh, maybe. That sounds familiar. I don't understand why. But, oh, wait. No, no, no. You're, you're talking about like the actual full movie that's like the script right right the original version that was worked on so i think it's just the work print that they're cleaning up and so yeah yeah yeah, i saw like a fan-made version of it it's actually pretty good um so with this one yeah it's it's interesting that i thought event horizon was the thing that they went through like that sounds like the the portal that they were going to go through but that's the name of the ship and that's so confounding for me because i would think like yeah, we're going to go through this wormhole called the Event Horizon and pop out on the other side. I was like, okay. Um, well, yeah, I think Event Horizon does have a, a, a specific... It is a specific term for something, but I don't think they I don't think they mention it. So this is the part that I missed. How is it the original ship gets possessed? What... what did they, they went through... In the portal, they combined with something else, or when they got in their side of the portal is when they got infected with whatever evil. That part I for I didn't catch. I think yeah, I think when they went through the portal originally, it doesn't just go across space; it goes across dimensions, and it like un- they they somehow went through some kind of like hell world dimension. Oh, okay. Um, there is some truly horrific imagery in this. I mean, I remember the first time I saw this, it scared the shit out of me. Like, it, it sat in my brain for a very long time, and I never wanted to revisit this movie. Like, it's one of the handful that I, I had a hard time coming back to. And I'm glad I did, because sometimes facing your fears with that kind of stuff is for the best. And it is still pretty, like, horrific, but I wasn't traumatized this time. Yeah, definitely. It, it moves along at a really good pace. There's a lot of like little things that they kind of build up and then eventually pay off over time. Like his relationship to the ship uh, of the event horizon that got lost and then found is something that is kind of 
that they don't mention at all for a while until eventually, like, he's having visions and you're not sure, like, where is this coming from? Did he, was he on the ship and somehow got transported? Or, um, like, what what is his relationship with the ship? And then when you start understanding what that is and how it relates to what's happening, it becomes a lot more intense. Yeah. The set design is fantastic. I don't know if... Oh, my God. The sets are amazing. Like, even ones that it's just, like, they're just in that room for that one scene and it's still, like, built so meticulously yeah i kept looking like a lot of these movies when they're showing hallways or just a room they don't put details in if you look at the floorboards or the, the stuff that's in the walls they they someone went in there and made art i mean it is so yeah. well done because they could have just they could have been bland they could have been blank the, the hallways never needed to be that long either and they really put in like a, the, the whole ball thing is such a unique visual thing I, I, it's, it's wild yeah, it, it's not only it's a it's a portal. Uh, it's like this constantly moving uh, piece that is so interesting. And then like when the pieces align, so it kind of has like this ominous, um, uh, like cosmic sort of uh, entity or cosmic sort of feeling to it. Um, that's kind of, that's basically the idea <laughs> of how it works. I, it, uh, I I love that when he goes into like the parts of the ship to kind of like try to fix it, and it's this green everything is like just neon green computer chips uh like everything or or going into the engine room is just like a meat grinder yeah everything is just it is perfectly designed to creep you out and i noticed that's a thing that paul ws anderson has done in uh films following this he seems to have this interest in like kind of a labyrinth puzzle rooms because he does this with um the first Resident Evil, and then he does it with Aliens versus Predator. It seems like something that he's interested in. Yeah, for sure. I wish he wasn't so hung up on these fucking video game movies. His whole collaboration with Mila Jovovich is questionable. I know it's his wife, come on. <laughs> but still, like, I think he's only able to get movies made now because they're based on a video game and she's in it because she sells well internationally. And I kind of wish he had another shot at doing movies like this or his next one, which I think is severely underrated. It's called Soldier with uh, Kurt Russell. Mm. Oh, I've been meaning to watch that, actually. It's, it's, it's campy, but it's the right kind of camp. And I think Kurt Russell does something completely different than the rest of his performances in this. And it was a huge flop. And, oh, man, it just it's so strange that that movie tanked so hard. Um, this movie, like I said, didn't do well either. It's sad for, um, oh my god, uh, I just had the name in my head, the fucking star, not Sam Neill, um, well, oh, Lawrence Fishburne? Lawrence Fishburne, for fuck's sake, my old brain is rotting like a cantaloupe. <laughs> um, Lawrence Fishburne had two movies right in a row, literally two weeks in a row, that were kind of expensive and tanked hard. So the last week of August this comes out, and then next week he has Hoodlum, which is a really good one. Um, and that had to suck. Like, well, I guess I uh, my career's over as lead. Shit. <laughs> yeah, generally two flops in a row is really bad news for anyone's career. Yeah, and I think he's really good in this, and he plays kind of against type. But he's a really good leader in this, and the sacrifices he makes um, for his team I think are truly admirable. Yeah, he feels exactly like what I would imagine a captain of a ship would be, especially given the, the situation that they're under, because it's, you find out later, everyone seems really pissed and at odds with each other, and then he kind of explains exactly what's happening, what the stakes are, and why everyone is pissed off, and it, like, it, it, he explains it in such such a clear, decisive way 
you understand immediately everyone's in, uh, like how he um uh how he how he fits into everyone else's story yeah and he and his explanation of like how the ship works like guys it's making you freak out it, it's going it's tapping into your hells your personal hells and manipulating you and I, those are fascinating. They're really tapping into what their nightmares are was a good idea instead of just making a generic, like, spooky, oh, it's a ghost or whatever it is in space. A lot of the stuff, if I remember correctly, there's nothing that's actually real except for when Sam Neill gets possessed, right? No one, there's no monsters in this, like, no tangible things. There's no actual, like, a, or, or a visible ghost. It's just what it does to your head, what you see. But I was going to say, I don't really know if he's a monster either like is a, a part of like what draw what draws him is his obsession and a part of that is also because his wife was on that ship that he accidentally got killed and yeah. so it's like him trying to figure out what happened is sort of like to get closure and that's why it's so important to him to finish this mission at any cost and that obsession kind of drives him to be like that but i don't think I don't think he's necessarily a monster. I think that's just how everyone sees him because of his obsession. Gotcha. You know so, I mean? so when later he has no eyes and it looks like there's like weird portals inside of his eyes, that's all in their head. He, because like, how does he yeah. see? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. That's my interpretation of it. Yeah. There's very few movies that can come up with original visuals like this to be truly terrifying. And like you said, it's, it's, it's a mixture of like the haunting, that old school uh, movie um, and Hellraiser. Yeah, that's the thing that I've always been nervous about in movies is like demons in hell I don't know why maybe it's because I, I grew up religious and that stuff really terrifies me not like vampires and zombies and werewolves and stuff like that something about hell and demons Ugh. Um, so yeah I, th I say definitely check this one out um, Sam Neill is great it just, he, he really yeah. tapped into like a sinister side very well uh, through most of his career and what's so, so great about this movie too is that he starts out so meek and just like this little nerd um, who everyone thinks they can push around but like getting um, further and further into the movie and realizing like oh this guy's actually a monster yeah and you can't really predict who's gonna live or die I kept expecting okay this person's gonna go this person's gonna go okay no especially if they're like kind of an established actor you're like oh they're fine they'll die towards the end of the movie if they die at all you know oh well nope <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so our second film is Pitch Black, the movie that made uh, Vin Diesel a star and launched a weird franchise that seems like it wants to be successful and it always seems to struggle. And I think I think I saw this in theaters. I thought it was fucking fantastic. It's I it's complicated. I at the end of the day, I think it's a good movie. Uh, I think it is an incredibly flawed movie, though. So it's structure is not original the idea of you know being like the, 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 if you were to boil the plot down to just two or three lines it doesn't seem that original but it's all the stuff they kind of do in the middle and they build a mythology as they go along and there are some surprises and I, I think the performances for the most part do carry it but I'm curious what what problems do you see with it I did see a lot of the acting is cheesy um uh, um Oh man, why am I blanking on his name? The guy who was uh, Inman, Iman? Oh, uh, Keith David. Keith David, yeah. I love Keith David. That accent was really bad. Yeah, yeah, he was chewing the scenery. Offensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, but 
well, what this and uh, I think, the, and obviously the the harsh blue tint uh, to the movie is really hard on the eyes and looks really cheap. It was hard to see in the theaters, to tell you the truth. I remember being like, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. <laughs> Can you imagine seeing this at the drive-in? Like, I don't know, let's just go oh home. God. I can't tell what the fuck is going on. Yeah, that being said, it's really, uh, like you said, it's all the things that are kind of in the middle or kind of things that are in between the lines. Um, like the, the characters, how they relate to each other, the history they have with each other, um, the story in general of like the, the main character basically attempting to kill everybody on the ship to save herself and but no one knows that she did that and she's having to hold that in and, and kind of what she chooses to do with that it, it's it's really interesting I, I really enjoy that uh i enjoy riddick as a character it's fascinating like i really want to write a riddick movie yeah because i feel like there's so many good things you can do with this he's kind of a, a mad max character right right yeah he's... In, in the sense that like he doesn't he can just be involved in someone else's story he doesn't even need to be the lead right and, and what is interesting is like like mad max he's a mythology and or robin hood or whatever you could have anybody play him at any time and i'm curious about everything that ha that led up to this point like i would like to see a young riddick Played by someone else and not CGI effects de-aging, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, of course, this is a franchise that won't die. There was... I truly admire the sequel. I know it was a huge flop and people were confused by it because it wasn't a monster movie and that it was basically his version of Dune. And he was trying to go that direction with the franchise. And then it didn't work out. So then the third one is basically the first one again, really. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I literally I haven't seen it, but I read the synopsis. I'm like, this is just Riddick. I it, agree. It, this is just pitch black. It basically is. It's like the Dirty Dozen, but on uh, on you know the same setting. So you want everybody to die. Um, and then the fourth one was announced in February, uh, called Furia, where it's supposed to be the final one where he finally goes home or whatever. And there's some maybe then they'll explain everything that led up to what happened in the first movie. But you know he's like almost sixty now. He's got to wrap this shit up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and th I think the sequel, I really didn't care for it because I feel like they kind of betrayed the character a little bit in the sense that, like, who he is and what he does, they try to make him kind of a superhero. Oh, in a yeah, 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 movie, yeah. And they don't really bridge that gap very well. Like, uh, he goes to visit Iman, or Iman, I can't remember exactly yeah, yeah. how to pronounce it. And they act like they're old friends. It's like, no, literally, Riddick tried to get him killed. Like, he was going to leave him behind just because he's about self-preservation and now they're acting like they're friends it's kind of strange yeah there's a animated movie that takes place between the two and i think that's supposed uh, to explain I, I can't remember what it's called something fury um yeah i heard about that i just i didn't see it okay dark sense. fury that's what it's called yeah it's uh, from the director that did the um eon flux cartoon um oh so it I might be good i've heard good things and there's a video game too for the xbox that was called like return to butcher bay or something where he gets arrested oh, yeah. uh, so and that, that's critically acclaimed so it's a very interesting franchise because it is so broken up and there is so much time between all of them it's not like a normal one like fast and furious where you know it's going to happen every three years and with this one i think like i remember the first time seeing this and i i did not remember him at all from um saving private ryan so I had no idea who the fuck this oh, guy yeah. was. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, the one that gets shot by the sniper, right? Yeah, um, which I've heard legends say that Steven was so annoyed with his constant, like, stopping the scene and asking to add stuff to it that he <laughs> that he had his character killed off, like, 20 minutes before he was supposed to be killed off. <laughs> um, 
but like I had no idea who anybody was in this and that means you didn't know what their motives were who the good guy or the bad guy was and who was going to survive and I think that's sometimes the best way to do these kind of movies instead of having stars because sometimes the stars can you know predict where the movie's going to go but there also sometimes is a rope-a-dope like in the first screen when they took Drew Barrymore out so um, yeah, I think the special effects are obviously lower budget, but this was a very low budget movie. It was uh, supposed to be for U- uh, Universal Studios, and they decided to send it to their lower budget division because they knew how to handle it. And I don't know how this became a hit. It's just so weird. I guess we all just saw the trailers, saw the critical acclaim, and we went. And I, I just remember thinking this was a great fucking movie, and I walked out of it, and my friend that I was with goes, that movie sucked. And I was like, what the fuck? And he goes, they killed the girl at the end. That's bullshit. And I was like, oh, you're right. I forgot you're that kind of guy who likes happy-go-lucky, you know. Yeah. Yeah, horror movies aren't your thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, that makes sense. Like, that's the whole thing about, like, she was trying to sacrifice them at the beginning, and then she sacrifices herself to save them at the end. Like, it, it kind of comes, her story is full circle. Like, yeah, it yeah. makes sense. And I like I like the little rules and the setups. I love movies that give you, hey, this is how we're gonna survive this. But instead of just making it a straightforward path, things keep going wrong. So this in yeah. concept easy idea never does. I mean, plain and simply, everything goes to shit. What like almost immediately because the guy dropped his bottle of wine or something like that, and then went chasing after and unplugged everything. Right. That's the that's the thing that I kind of tell people about this movie if I talk about it is like you kind of have to get through the first 20 minutes because then like as soon as things like get started like it just keeps it just goes and it's constantly entertaining after that yeah. well and it's i can see people being put off by the first 20 minutes too because it feels like david Tui is doing very experimental strange camera work yes for for this genre so um we had just talked about his previous film he had done uh the arrival uh, the one with Charlie Sheen with the alien invasion and then a couple movies before that but he was mostly known as a writer and he I think for the most part he's only able to get the Riddick movies made because otherwise it's just I think he's a really talented director and he's a good writer and just for whatever reason he can't get movies made um, another thing too that I really like about this first one and not this I feel like they kind of betray Riddick as a character is that like he's a really he's really good at survival like he knows how to survive harsh environments but he is not like a super soldier he gets captured like twice in this in this movie yeah. but when it comes when it comes to doing what he's really good at which is surviving harsh environments like when, like you know the, it goes dark and then you know these creatures are out at night and they can see in the dark and so can he and so that was that's what kind of makes him sort of the lead from there on out Right, um, but he's not. He he gets beat up by a human, um, so I think it's strange. Like the movies that happen after this are kind of make him seem like a this superhero kind of character. Yeah, and I, I remember. Kind of, there's yeah. a there's a scene in the sequel where remember he's chained up and for somebody he wraps it around his uh, waist or whatever and then he does like these weird fucking flips. Do you remember he rolls himself up in the chain and then lets it go, whatever, and the chain breaks? I'm like, what the fuck is that kung fu shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the third one, 
it's fine. I mean, if you're bored, you want to watch something that harkens back to the original. But in that one, everybody's... See, that's the, the interesting part is you said, yeah, like in the second one, they try to make him a hero. In the third one, he's not a hero. He's stuck with all these this group of like thieves and bounty hunters or whatever. And then he just works them against each other and watches them as they all get slaughtered and laughs his ass off. And that's off. kind of the weakness of that too because then everyone is disposable and doesn't matter. Whereas yeah. this one, like everyone has a reason to continue, a reason to live and to make it to the end and you want them to make it. Yeah. It, it hurts That's when somebody makes it hard, taken, yeah. like when they die. Like, oh, like. <laughs> What's interesting is they show in the movie that light really does keep them away and hurt them, but almost immediately they undermine that rule because that guy has a flashlight in his fucking hand as he's looking in that hole, and it just grabs yeah. him and eats him up. I'm like, now wait a minute, you just established they hate light and they're not going to go near it. What the fuck? Yeah, is it is it UV that they don't like? So maybe the flashlight doesn't work. I don't um... remember. No, I feel like they, they took a, a, a light or whatever and shined it on it and started burning like crazy, but maybe you're right. Maybe it is. No, no, because they, they get away from flame as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it seems like they established that rule and then shit on it almost immediately. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right, so that is the end of this episode. Thank you, Kersey, for this. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, everybody, we'll see you around Halloween. We're going to do some haunted house and ghost stuff. So, all right, everybody, have a good one.